When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the new look Raggett's Roundtable. Matthew Collar, Will Raggett's from Sports Illustrated. Andrew Kramer will be joining us every week from the Star Tribune. And uh, Will is going to lead the conversation here as this, if you've been listening for a while, you'll know, is the hardest core of the hardcore breakdowns and previews of a football game, meaning that we will get into the shape of Blake Brandle's body. We will dive (laughs) as deep as we possibly can. Uh, that's a reference to Wes Phillips calling him a rectangle. It doesn't need to be discussed further, but where would you like to begin in Vikings bucks? Will, where do you want to start? I mean, first of all, I'm just excited that we have an actual real football game to watch and to talk about and not try to manufacture excitement over some preseason action. It's, this is the real thing. Um, I guess as, as we kind of start, looking at this we've had training camp and all of this build up i mean going back to otas and everything the preseason um i guess what are you guys kind of most excited to see actually unfold in this game yeah for me it's going to be brian flores's defense i mean we he said it might be a little more exotic in week one i am and then it was in the preseason he said i don't think we were quite vanilla in the preseason but i do think we'll be a little more exotic i think it's going to be a lot more exotic i think especially against baker mayfield who uh, in the past hasn't always handled pressure very well. Uh, and I imagine Brian Flores is going to want to try and confuse him. And so this is probably going to be a good look out of the gate for the Vikings defense in terms of their pressure schemes. We'll see if they can cover and all that. But to me, it starts with Brian Flores. I also wanted to mention for those watching on video, it's a very small room. That's why we're <laughs> standing at different <laughs> angles and Will looks way shorter than me. Uh, yeah, For me, it's uh, maybe it's too on brand to talk about the number two tight end. But the, 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 how different is this offense going to be? Because last year, it depends on what metric you looked at to decide how good you thought the Vikings offense actually was. Because for me, a lot of the efficiency metrics said eh, that it was maybe a good offense, but not a great offense. And yeah, they were top 10 in scoring, but that's a lot of shootouts. And I think the defense maybe caused them, forced them to be top 10 in scoring because they had to finish off a lot of games passing the football, desperation to score. But from a play-to-play basis, they were just okay. And I think that that was really in part because they couldn't run the football very effectively. So they go out and they give them a a bunch of cash to a giant number two tight end. Uh, I think CJ Ham has to be a little bit more of a part of this thing with the pass protection and and what his role can be. I'm very intrigued to see, like, did Kevin O'Connell really get into his Gary Kubiak bag Are we going to see a lot of more play actions and bootlegs and things like that from Kirk Cousins? Or was that all a little bit of smoke and mirrors and it's not going to be different really at all? And and it was just maybe something they talked about and Oliver's a good player, so they wanted him. 
or, or are we going to see like a different offensive identity? And just Alexander Madison is the starting running back. It has been so long. Will, you've never covered the team without Dalvin Cook being the starting running back. No. And for me, the, the first training camp, my first training camp was Dalvin Cook, his first year being drafted. So we haven't seen anyone else in the backfield aside from when there's been injuries. And I want to see how Alexander Madison takes on that role. And also, does anybody else play? Like, is it going to be Ty Chandler or not? Are we going to see a little Miles Gaskin in our life or not? So, I mean, I think that this team has actually many questions to kind of be answered in week one. Yeah, and let's start on the offensive side of the ball because you got into a good question that I have as well, which is how seriously do we take Kevin O'Connell when he talks about wanting to run the football more and be efficient and be more balanced? Because this is one of the most pass-heavy teams in the league last year. And it's not just Kevin O'Connell. They, they went out and they made a point in their offseason actions by bringing in Josh Oliver, by re-signing Garrett Bradbury, by re-signing C.J. Ham, that they want to have kind of the personnel variety to be heavy in certain situations and be able to run effectively out of that, but also be able to throw out of that. And then when they need to, they can put four wide receivers on the field because you have Jalen Naylor kind of emerging. You draft Jordan Addison. Like, I'm just curious to see kind of what the balance is with these personnel groupings, how much... 21 personnel are we really seeing with CJ Ham in there? How much 12 personnel? How much 11 personnel? Like all these different things I think are going to be kind of fascinating. Is it going to be very similar to last last season's offense? Is it going to be notably different or is it going to just be kind of subtle changes as they try to become more efficient and more balanced? Yeah, and I think that's been a trend in the NFL. You've seen teams' offenses try to go heavier personnel and throw out of it. I mean, the Chiefs were one of the best multi-tight end teams last year in terms of trying to throw out of that stuff, and other teams have tried to follow suit and getting heavier defensive personnel on the field. The Vikings are well-suited to do that. They need to find a way to counter Justin Jefferson the attention he commands. They need to find a way to get defenses up closer to the line of scrimmage, stop playing so much too high, and that's why I believe them. I, I do believe them that they're going to try to establish the run a little bit here and try to get that going. And the financial commitments, as you guys, as you guys mentioned, really kind of lend to that, that they actually are going to try to do this. The defense can't be much worse, meaning that they shouldn't be playing so much catch up this season. I think you brought a good point, Matt, that last year they had to really put all the gas. I mean, just step on the gas and keep going and throwing and throwing because they were constantly giving up touchdowns. Now, if you can actually try to keep the water level a little lower, you might be able to put CJ on the field. You might be able to lean on that running game and try to play more ball control. And then, oh, there's a big 50-yard play to Justin Jefferson in ways that teams could just too easily scheme against last year because, hey, we know where the ball's going. We know you're going to throw it to him. Uh, here, this is them trying to develop a counterpunch to that. And that's why I do think they're going to try to establish that running game a little more. I just love that I had to turn down the audio levels when Will started talking about 21 personnel because he got like really <laughs> excited about that. Uh, but, you know, same, Will, honestly. I, yeah, you know, I, I tend to believe that there will be a little bit of a different offensive identity. But at the same time, like Kevin O'Connell's roots are in 11 personnel, three wide receivers out there, shotgun, throwing the ball all the time. And I think it, it may be that they have at least another switch to turn. Because last year, it, it, they didn't. It was throw to Justin Jefferson or uh, like, and then when Hawkinson got here, he at least provided them some sort of other option. But there wasn't a counter punch. There wasn't a, oh, you're taking this away from us? Well, we're going to run it down your throat. Or you think you're going to play three safeties on the field? Well, we're going to make you pay for that. Or if your third linebacker is terrible, then we're going to load up on those guys and we're going to run. 
I just, I remember a game, I think it was against the Cowboys 2019, where they ran like 11 straight times and scored a touchdown. Mm -hmm. and, and like, they just could not do that last year. There was, that was not a club in their bag. So at least to have that, I don't think it's going to be any more than one out of every four or five plays that we see that bigger personnel. But I think that at least they can flip that switch. And the other thing is too, we blame the defense for everything and they deserved it. But, but the offense can close a game. You can be up by 10 points in the third quarter, score another touchdown, and that is over. And they didn't do that last year. And so, I mean, part of that is just who the quarterback is and kind of who he's always been. But there's also the, you get up 10 points in the third quarter and you can hand off to Madison and Ty Chandler five straight times and run the ball, kill the clock, get a couple of first downs. And that makes it very difficult for the other team to come back as opposed to a three and out in the third quarter, which just gives more and more opportunities. So I think from that perspective, they can be a better offense than they were last year. But also, I mean, you talk about things that we're looking forward to see unveiled. I mean, it's finally Jordan Addison time, like finally seeing. And you asked Wes Phillips this, Will, but I'm really interested in when they do go bigger personnel. Is it KJ? Is it Jordan Addison? Is Addison going to be out there to run play action deep shots? Or is it going to be KJ because he can run the ball? Like they have so many more options than they had last year where it was really like, if you're not throwing the ball to Jefferson, you're just kind of not doing anything. Yeah, it, Kirk Cousins, I think, says this a lot. It's, it's just having tools in the tool belt and having different ways that you can go based on the looks that you're getting, based on the game situation, all kinds of things. You have these different places that you can go and these different personnel packages you can use. So it's not just Justin Jefferson like it has been a lot of times over the past few years. You, you mentioned that 2019 season. I think the opener to that season against Atlanta, they Kirk Cousins threw like eight passes. So to have the ability to – it doesn't have to be that extreme – but you'd like to be able to get up early. We've seen that Kevin O'Connell is great at scripting these opening drives and getting a seven, nothing lead. But then so many times last year, they just, the defense would adjust and, and the Vikings wouldn't really have the right counter punch. They would go through these lulls. It would end up being a close game and they would just find a way to pull it out late. You'd like to really, I mean, try to be able to win a game by 14 or, or 20 points, especially you look at this week, this is going to be on paper. One of the easier matchups that they have. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough defense, but you'd love to be able to, if you're the Vikings, go up early, run the football, kind of control the clock that way, and then you can hit some explosive passes out of that when the defense is, is kind of focusing on, on the run. So I just think Kevin O'Connell spent a lot of time this offseason just in his office watching tape, racking his brain for different ways that you can make this offense more consistent, more balanced, and not just kind of reliant on the Justin Jefferson card. I think they brought in the, the personnel and the roster to do that, now let's go let's go see it unveiled and to your point a big part of that is Jordan Addison and i think early on it's going to be a lot of KJ Osborne Jordan Addison will be mixed in there's going to be plenty of 11 personnel where we see both of those guys i'd imagine the very first snap when they're in a two wide receiver set it's KJ Osborne out there to me that feels like something that maybe pretty quickly transitions over time but for right now you you kind of let the rookie earn his way up but i don't know what do, what do you think about how those snaps will be kind of divided between the two yeah i mean we should not overlook the importance of run blocking and yeah. i know o'connell talked up addison's willingness but he's 175 pounds he's 21 years old um we saw in the preseason when addison was healthy that that was not his strength out there it was being a receiver and also when they go too tight end too wide 
we shouldn't overlook the fact that Josh Oliver's presence in line is going to allow TJ to be a true split out option. That they're three wide, they could have packages, as you asked about, Will, that could be um, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and TJ out there, or KJ instead of Addison. But it will be two wide, but it'll it'll be two receivers, but it'll be three wide, and they'll be throwing it maybe just as much as they would out of an 11 personnel. So I think having Oliver here is going to help them not stick TJ as that extra blocker and then have to dump off to him on fourth and eight like they had before. I think they're going to be able to send him down the, the field and be more of that downfield option um, because they have more of a blocking options up front. And then with KJ blocking in the run game, he does it. He does it well. He's proven he's a veteran at that spot. I think they're going to rely on that early on until Jordan kind of comes along, gets his feet wet. We'll see both of those guys in the game on Sunday. I just think we're going to see, as you mentioned, KJ start in that spot. So do we have to end fourth and eight jabs after the no. season starts, no. or does that just go on forever? I, I, I was just wondering, <laughs> like, maybe it's like, do we turn a new leaf? Do we get the last couple of them in? Hey, that was directly related to Hawkinson. So he was on, he was running that route because he was a block and release option. No, that's, I mean, that's true. And, and really, I mean, last year in general, I thought that their third down offense was okay, but it just sort of goes under the whole thing of like, probably even as there's some excitement about what Flores is going to bring just okay is not going to get you very far this year, unless you want to try to win every one score game again. But if you're going to be better as, as a whole, as a, like a more stronger team on offense, then you can't rank sort of like 12th and 18th and 15th in everything like they tend to do. Um, so they do have to have more options when it comes to those big situations. But my question is, and, and Jordan Addison could bring him that. Uh, I ran across the stat the other day that nobody except for Justin Jefferson averaged more than 11 yards a catch. So everybody was a check down. It wasn't just TJ Hawkinson. And Addison can bring, I think, a downfield element. But I was going to ask you, Andrew, how are we feeling about these uh, milkshake bets? You and I have two of them. And uh, one of them is that KJ Osborne will catch, or I, these are my side, yep. that KJ Osborne will catch more passes than Jordan Addison. And the other one is that Brian Asamoah, new pronunciation, uh, is, uh, it, it, I said that Ivan Pace was going to take the first snap of the season. And I'm not feeling great about that second one. So how, how are you feeling your confidence level going into week one about our offseason milkshake bets? Yeah, I feel pretty good when Brian Flores came out today and said he expects uh, Brian Asamoah to take the majority of reps next to Jordan Hicks in this opener. He did mention we hope to get pace in there uh, for some snaps, but he's an undrafted rookie. He mentioned this is going to be a special moment for him, and then he hopes he can kind of calm down and get into the rhythm of things. That's going to happen with any rookie. And I think they were always going to rely on at least a little bit of experience that Brian got at the end of last year and somebody that the front office took in the third round that they feel highly about just as highly as they clearly feel about Ivan Pace. I feel good about that bet. I'm not so sure about the other one. My bet is that it's going to be Jordan Addison getting more catches by the end of the year in total over KJ Osborne. But if they really want to run the ball and establish that, I think KJ is going to get a lot of work in this offense, regardless of how they use Addison and move him around. But when Addison's on the field, I do think they're going to be throwing the ball quite a bit and and that's where we're going to see him get those one-on-one -on -one chances yeah i mean that's why they brought him in is that you're going to have defenses focusing on justin jefferson focusing on tj hawkinson you're going to see a lot of single coverage against jordan addison he's well equipped to beat that with the route running that we saw all throughout training camp very briefly in the preseason i think just it's just about having the various options like you can go heavy 
And you can run out of that. You can throw out of that. You can use play action and boots and all these different things that we've seen from Shanahan and Kubiak and, and McVay offenses. But then you can also spread it out and you can go lighter. Like, I don't think necessarily Jordan Addison being in the game has to indicate that they're going to throw it. They'll probably throw more when he is versus when KJ Osborne's in the game. But just to have those various options, I think it's a great thing for Kevin O'Connell as a play caller, just having the versatility. They'll start out in various looks. They'll see what the Bucs are doing. And they'll react to that and they'll make adjustments. And I think you look at this game and it's you see that it's about a touchdown spread and you're thinking, OK, the Vikings are at home. This should be a, a relatively very winnable game. But it's a good test for Kevin O'Connell and year two of this offense. I mean, you talk about up front, Vita Vey is one of the most game wrecking defensive tackles. And that's just a, a glaring kind of concern with this offense that we have coming into the season is the interior line, offensive line. Garrett Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland, Ed Ingram specifically. I mean, all these guys. Garrett Bradbury had a good season last year in a contract year. They brought him back. But his, his game has never really been to anchor against the Vitavea types. And we saw that with Dexter Lawrence in the playoff game last year. So there's concern there. At the second level, you've got Levante David, Devin White, some really smart linebackers that are going to really test the running game of the Vikings and kind of Alex Madison reading how they're flowing and just the blocking and everything there. And then on the back end, this is a team with Antoine Winfield and Jamel Dean and Carlton Dave, like a, a quality secondary. So it's kind of like strength on strength and maybe weakness on weakness in this game, which I think will be fascinating to watch. The Vikings offense, I think, has a chance to be really good, but it, it's a good Bucks defense. On, on the other side, the Vikings defense has a lot to prove. But it's a good place to start with Baker Mayfield. So, well, what did you guys make of just on the offense before we go to the defense? What did you make of what Wes Phillips said about Ed Ingram today? Yeah, I don't know that I was super convinced. It was, I mean, it was the answer that you expect a coach to give, where he was asked how how Ed, Ed Ingram has looked. I think he was just asked generally how the interior trio has looked, and he said Ed Ingram he's 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 looked really good. It was there's a little bit of hesitation, and maybe I'm reading too much into that. And of course, a coach is going to praise his player, but. It, it's tough for us to see. I mean, we watch so much during training camp of the receivers and the DBs and everything. Mm. It's it's hard when they're on the other field doing the O-line, D-line one-on-ones to kind of see any of that. Yeah. Um, but from just, you know, 11s and then the brief preseason action, I didn't see a ton that indicates to me that Ed Ingram has made some massive leap. So absolutely, that's going to be one of the big things to watch right away. Can he avoid stepping on Kirk Cousins' foot? Can he avoid giving up six pressures in this game? Like, if, if he can just get to a baseline level of being solid, that goes a really long way for this, the Vikings offense. Folks, we are going all in on prize picks this football season. If you haven't heard of it, prize picks is the easiest and best way to play daily fantasy. Instead of battling against thousands of other players and people who spend their entire life doing fantasy, all you do is pick more or less on between two and six players' stat projections. Say a quarterback's number is 250 yards. Go more or less and bang, you're playing. And you can pick from hundreds of players this football season. It's so simple. I'm not kidding. I submit my picks in less than 60 seconds. There's nothing better for my crazy schedule during football season than prize picks. It also doesn't cost an arm and a leg to make some money. You can turn $10 into $250 with a few taps of a button. Again, a perfect fit for your busy schedule. This isn't just something we're endorsing. You're going to hear us using it on the show all season long here on Purple Insider. It should be a lot of fun. Go to prizepicks.com slash purple. That is prize 
prizepicks.com slash purple. Use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash purple. Use the code purple. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. I, th- I think that uh, at the beginning of camp that they that they were concerned. And I always judge by what they do more than what they say, unless they layer in interesting criticisms into their, like when it's uh we love Ty Chandler. He's great. Does have to learn how to pass block, but he's uh, we're doing great. Uh, so they do that sometimes. And maybe there's a little bit of that with Ingram. And there's a little bit of, I also think trying to speak it into existence with him. Like we believe in you guy. Cause you really have no other choice. So if you're Mike Zimmer and you come up to the podium and you say, well, you know, still can't pass block. I don't know. You guys figure it out. Um, that doesn't help anybody with anything. So I would expect them to be more encouraging, but I have to see it. Like you said, Will, I, I don't believe in my own ability to decide whether a guard is going to be better or not by watching nine preseason snaps and pass pro and uh, you know some practices out there because the, the, the margins are so small between being a decent player, a great player, and a terrible player. It's like three or four plays per game that decide the difference between Trent Williams and the worst tackle in the league. So how could we tell? Uh, but this is, I think, going to give us an immediate indication because the interior of the defensive line is good of, and also because Todd Bowles is exotic as well with his blitzing. And that to me was maybe the biggest problem. Like, yeah, you're going to get beat one-on-one by great players sometimes. But when you can't identify what the other team is doing and you're just looking around as somebody runs by you, that happened way too many times. And what I keep hearing is the word communication. And it seems like it's like, Ed, you better you better be communicating because if they don't, they're just going to give up a, a bunch of pressures from those blitzes. And we saw it in the preseason game in Seattle where they gave up an interior pressure in part. Ed put it on himself. He said that I didn't pick up the communication of where we were sliding. We, we let somebody go right between. And that was with backups. That was with Ole Udo, Austin Schlobman, maybe with Bradbury and O'Neill on either side of them. It will be different. But we saw it too many times last year. Similar things happen. And to be a year later and we're still seeing that. Here's what I believe about what Wes Phillips said, though. He brings what the other two guys don't. He does bring power and anchor when he's on, when he has the technique right, when he's not stepping on Kirk's foot, all those things. They really need that in the interior. And I'd heard this this past month that there have been no discussions on extending Ezra Cleveland, who's entering the final year of his contract. I don't know how enamored they are with Ezra either. So when they bring in Dalton Reisner, you know, they talk about moving him to the right side, but Maybe they would have played that out and also potentially replaced Cleveland on the left side because I don't think either of those guys have earned their spots. Yeah, it it felt like there was kind of mm-hmm. a shift. And and this started in 2021 in the previous regime when they drafted Christian Derrissaw, where they realized, you know, having these guys with 9.9 relative athletic scores who could be tight ends, who are amazing in this zone blocking scheme is great. But you just have to have a little more balance where Ezra Cleveland and Garrett Bradbury, it, it's been consistent specifically with Bradbury in his first three seasons, just the pass blocking in the anchor is tough just based on body type and kind of the athletic makeup. And that's not really Garrett Bradbury's fault for being drafted in the first round with that profile. It's just, it's what the Vikings were looking for at the time. The Derrissaw shift, they talked about this, Rick Spielman, like we wanted to get a little bit bigger. They tried it with Wyatt Davis as well. That didn't work out, but a, a mixture of somebody who can run block and have that quick first step in the athleticism to reach guys and, and do all these things, climb to the second level but also anchor against pass protection because with a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, 
you really need that. And running the ball effectively and in, in the zone schemes and everything is great, but this is a passing league and you need to keep Kirk Cousins protected. And so I think they did that as well when the new regime came in. That's why they like that Ingram. I think he, he had a combination of both in terms of you, you watch the college tape and you look at his athletic testing and all these things. Is He's an athletic guy. He, he can do all these things in the run game, but he also has that anchor and, and that kind of power. And it just it didn't show up as much in year one because there were these little technical mistakes and communication and, and like sliding the wrong way and letting a guy through or just kind of whiffing with his with his hands in the initial kind of set. And so if he can fix some of those things, and I'm sure he's been working on this entire offseason, there is there are still the tools there that made him a second round pick that you would like to think can kind of help in pass protection and, and be kind of functional. And, and to me, it's just it's something to watch right away because I don't think this Vikings team is going to mess around necessarily with what they view as a, an open division and, and the team that they've put together this offseason. If you see struggles, whether it's Ed Ingram, whether it's Ezra Cleveland, to me, somebody that's actually kind of interesting is Blake Brandell, who I think had a really good preseason. They've been training him at all three interior spots, mostly the two guard spots. It wouldn't shock me if not after one game, but like a month or two months in, if this if one of those guys is not playing well, hey, let's let's put Blake in and, and see what he can do. The rectangular guy, the rectangular, rectangular guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or it could be going out and Dalton Reisner is still a free yeah. agent. Like he has not signed with anybody yet. It probably makes sense from his camp's perspective. Let's let's wait and let's let's uh let's see who which guards are struggling around the league here, and that might uh, up our leverage a little bit. Did you guys uh, catch Brian Flores mentioning that he felt mobility in a quarterback is pretty important? I did them. hear that, and I did a little double take when he said that. <laughs> so when you bring up needing to protect Kirk Cousins, that interior, as you as we've all talked about so much, is so important in front of him specifically. And then how much do you plan for that going forward when Kirk's not even signed beyond this year? Oh. Uh, uh... By the way, yeah, I mean, I did catch that. And I went like, oh, you think so? Uh, I wonder if the organization agrees. Uh, maybe they do because there's no contract extension. Um, so I, I wanted to uh, talk about, though, that when, when it comes to the offensive line thing, I have taken a stance. I have dug my feet in on this. Okay. I don't care if the interior isn't that great. There is no excuse for the Minnesota Vikings offense to not be in the top 10 in the NFL, not be one of the most efficient, not want to be one of the most successful. And I would also take this stance for this game in particular, because you are right to run down their roster, be like, heard of that guy. That guy's pretty good. He was on that Super Bowl team. This guy, what did Mark Craig say? He looks like a circle for a Vita Vea. <laughs> yep. It yep. was a wild day out here, uh, but Okay, and I agree with all that. Every football team has football players that are good at National Football League football. Every single time. Not the Cardinals. We can talk, except for the Cardinals. Every single time, though, since they're not playing the Cardinals, we can talk about, like, oh, they got some guys who can cause problems. The, the idea is that you brought back Kirk Cousins to mitigate those guys causing problems. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's going to be interior pressure, but you know that, and you knew that all off season, you can game plan around this. You have to find ways to stop it. So is, does that mean Josh Oliver plays more of a role in pass protection? Does it mean that CJ ham helps on interior pressure somehow step, you know, stepping up into the middle when they blitz it in those areas, Kevin O'Connell had six months to find the answers to not having a great interior offensive line. And by the way, who does there's like three teams in the league that have really good interior offensive lines. So at some point, sometimes I get tired of like, Oh man, if the, if, if the guard lets somebody through, okay, fine. Well, do you have any answers to that? I think that you should. So I think that despite this question mark 
our standard for this game and this season should be extremely, extremely high for this offense. Oh, this is going to be fired up on a on a Thursday morning here. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's you can't expect to go into a game with three Pro Bowl interior offensive linemen. Teams just don't have that. You have to have answers. Getting the ball out quickly, utilizing the screen game. Like I think Kirk Cousins is a is a great quarterback operating within the pocket. If it's just a quick three step drop, get the ball out. You now have Jordan Addison who can win off the line of scrimmage with releases to get open for a quick slant or things like that. Ideally, you don't want to have constant interior pressure. It's not ideal. It re- kind of limits what you can do with some longer longer developing routes downfield. But you're right. It, it is not an excuse for this Vikings offense if it's a similar level of interior. Uh, pressure as last year to still not find ways to adapt and be successful. And this was a team that you mentioned this. They were like seventh in yards and eighth in scoring, but they're like 18th in, in EPA per play and DVOA and all these things. They were, they were not a very efficient offense. They have to find ways to improve that. And this is a good test week one against a, a pretty good Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. So Andrew, let me ask you this. Would I be out of line in saying there's no excuses here Win this game? I mean, win this game. Like we were talking about, and I wrote about the schedule, and I've brought this up a number of times, how important it is to win this game. And I think we all know that because we all got plane tickets to fly to Philadelphia in like three days. And that's not going to be an easy game. And we know Mahomes is showing up. And did you know Mahomes' dad played for the Twins? I hope someone brings that up. Uh, But when I look at Tampa, I think there's people in Tampa who are like, maybe it could be okay. And uh, we had Trevor Sikkim on the show from PFF, who's a former Tampa Bay reporter, who's like, well, maybe they could win the game if this, 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 and this. Baker Mayfield stinks. Baker Mayfield's terrible. This guy has an 81 quarterback rating since 2021. That's what you would expect in 1979 from a good quarterback. <laughs> like, I, I guess, you know, it's it's part of the job to hype it up and, and talk about all the nuances, which is why we do the Raggets Roundtable. But at the end of the day, when it's Thursday, and we're going to the game and I'm like, how am I feeling about this game? I'm feeling if you lose this game, I'm going to think I don't know how, if, if this team is any good because I know Tampa is not a good football team. Well, not even if you just lose it, if it's close, if you have to struggle through this game, I don't think that's a, a very good sign. And remember last year, like the openers are always weird. Last year, the Vikings had a bad training camp. Kirk Cousins was throwing a bunch of picks and all of a sudden the Packers can't cover anybody because they come in with a bad plan and Justin Jefferson goes crazy. And this offense really kickstarted what it eventually became in terms of potent in the passing game. Uh, This is a good chance for this team to establish what they are offensively, what they are defensively, especially against Baker Mayfield. Because after that, you got Hurts, you got Herbert, you got Mahomes. You're not going to have a chance really to lean on a bad quarterback. This is going to be a time to build confidence, a time to establish the pressure packages that Brian Flores wants to roll out and then build off of those. As you said, Baker Mayfield's just not good. He's, He's bad. And when you've got that in there, there's no room for, well, you know, maybe if you just only give up a couple deep balls, well, no, this needs to be a defense that puts the clamps on him, forces them into third long situations and forces him into some tough decisions that he has never really made well in his career. So I, yeah, I think this needs to be a two score win for you to walk away feeling. Yeah. All right. This, they did what they should. Yeah. Baker Mayfield's got to be feeling pretty thankful for Josh Dobbs in Arizona right now. Cause that's the only competition he has at the bottom of these starting quarterback rankings heading into like I don't care about CJ Stroud the rookies Justin Fields Jordan all these different guys like Baker Mayfield is at the very bottom and that's just he had some decent seasons early in his career at Cleveland we have not seen that in several years last year was Carolina and then the Rams it just was really bad so this is a good little way if you're Brian Flores and you're the Vikings defense to kind of ease into things a little bit not that you can 
not take it seriously or give everything that you've been game planning and building towards. But it's not opening with Jalen Hurts. It's you get a chance here. It, you'd like to think that the Vikings offense will put you in a kind of positive game script as a defense. You get a chance to unveil everything that we've been talking about so much throughout training camp, throughout even the preseason action. We saw some of it, the the variety and kind of the multipleness of these blitzes and bringing confusion, bringing chaos, making it so Baker Mayfield doesn't know which guy at the line is going to come on this blitz, which guy is going to drop into coverage, just muddying the picture for him both pre and post snap. I think it's a great, it's a, it's an ideal kind of situation. Now the Bucks still have talented wide receivers, which as we can talk about it is going to put some stress on the Vikings young cornerbacks that we haven't seen a lot of, but you can help those guys. You can make their job easier by just bringing a lot of pressure. The, the Tampa Bay offensive line isn't really a strength anymore. It had been, I mean, they won the Super Bowl. They had a really good offensive line, but Donovan Smith left this offseason. Ryan Jensen, their center, got hurt. It's Tristan Wirfs, and it's a bunch of young guys that you may or may not have heard of. Cody Motch is a rookie out of North Dakota State who has uh, great hair and a funny, like, gap-tooth smile. But I don't know if he's any good right away. So this is an opportunity if you're the Vikings. Pin Daniil Hunter and Marcus Davenport back. Get your linebackers. Get your safeties involved in the blitz. And just go after Baker Mayfield because you, you can get this team into – third and long and kind of obvious passing situations and just make it really tough on Baker Mayfield to have any time to see the field and find Evans and Godwin. Let me ask you a question real quick. Are you going to make it to Sunday? Will? like, I I feel like you are as jacked up as I have ever seen you on this show. Uh, You're the one, you're the one who yelled Baker Mayfield stinks. I was just going to mention that I I yell on the show all the time. It's like what I do. I'm trying to match the energy. I like that. You bring Hunter and and Davenport up. This might be the only time you have a healthy Marcus Davenport because his whole track record has been getting banged up in seasons. The most he's played for any season is about 50% of the snaps in new Orleans. When you finally have that, you've got your healthy duo. You know, they want to maintain that for much longer, but this is the game then to really unleash them and, and, and cause it against a mediocre offensive line to cause that pressure. And then I also want to see, we've heard so much this summer about this young secondary and their ability and not ability to tackle and learning, relearning how to mm-hmm. tackle and all these things. I imagine the Buccaneers are going to try and get the ball out quick and try to force guys like Makai Blackman, a Caleb Evans into situations where they need to bring down Chris Godwin, bring down Mike Evans. Those are the things that you kind of look at and say, okay, from what we've seen from these young guys, that could become a problem if you can get the ball out quick and you're not bringing those guys down. Brian Flores has to make sure that those young guys uh, are on point when it comes to that. Folks, this fall season is an unbelievable time for sports, and I'm always a fan of trying to catch other games when I go on the road to cover football, like baseball, hockey, basketball, just about anything. And that's why I use Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets of any type of event, even music, comedy, whatever you're looking for. Game Time has last-minute flash deals on tickets, images of seats, and a low-price guarantee. You don't have to plan your tickets months out in advance. With Game Time, there are deals on tickets right up to game day. The Game Time guarantee means that you always get the best deal. If you find a better price in the same section or row for less, Game Time will credit you 110%. Buy tickets in seconds and have them arrive right there on your phone. It's great. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code INSIDER for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed.
And, you know, I think that if the interior of the offensive line is not good, that we're going to be like, hey, why didn't you sign Dalton Reiser? What's your deal? Uh, but I also think we should talk about the cornerback group the same way because a bunch of veteran corners got cut around the league in training camp and they didn't bring any of them in. And so they're sticking with Andrew Booth Jr. as the backup. That's no parachute at all. Jawan Williams is on the practice squad. Okay, well, he's barely played in NFL games either. And so not having anyone who's a veteran player, except for Byron Murphy, who's really not a veteran veteran, like he's 25 or 26 years old. So not having any experience whatsoever in that secondary, if they do come out in this game, and the one thing I'll say about Baker Mayfield, because I did insult him, but uh, he can throw the football like this. He is an accurate passer if he has time and he can deliver to those wide receivers if they're open. So if they struggle in the secondary, I think that there's going to be some patience required from the secondary because these guys just haven't played. So there will be mistakes. But if we're going through the season and they're just giving up pass after pass, I think we're going to look back and go, hey, uh, you know, you guys talked about winning, winning the division, getting back to the playoffs and then rested entirely on totally unproven corners, probably the most important position. I mean, because we've seen this in the past, even when they've pressured the quarterback successfully, if the corners couldn't stop anybody, 2021, 2020, uh, 2021, I thought they pressured the heck out of the quarterbacks, and then they just couldn't cover anybody with Brashad Breeland. So is, that, is it going to end up being the same sort of thing where we look back and go, I don't know, you could have probably foreseen this, especially Caleb Evans has an injury history. Andrew Booth has an injury history. I, that's a, a to me, like as far as questions to be answered week one, I really want to just see how these guys match up against two good receivers. Yeah, it's there's there's on each side of the ball for the Vikings. There's an obvious area of concern, a question mark, a, a weakness. Uh, I mean, we, we we're assuming it's a weakness. We haven't seen them play yet. But on the offense, we talked about it. You can mitigate the interior offensive line struggles a little bit. It's harder to do that on defense with your cornerbacks. Totally it, agree. It just is. And so that is going to make or break in a lot of ways the success of this entire plan that Brian Flores has, this philosophy, this attacking scheme. And, and it's going to be, I think, all season in year one of Flores, and we don't know if we'll get a year two of Flores, it's going to be kind of a high-risk, high-reward proposition where there will be plays like take what you, we saw in the preseason where Jay Ward comes unblocked and just hammers Clayton Toon and gets a, a strip sack. There's going to be big game-changing plays like that. That's what it's built for is to get after the quarterback and, and pop a guy and have him float a ball in the air and pick it off, things like that. There's also going to be times where just communication-wise, you bring a lot and it gets picked up and that leaves somebody one-on-one -on -one with a cornerback downfield and you float it up and you catch it and it's a big play. And I think, like we've been talking up, I, I'm I'm high on this Brian Flores defense. I'm bullish on it. At, at the very least, making a, a solid step from last year, which it, it, on paper should not be that hard to do with how bad the Vikings defense was. I think they can be a, a solid unit. But we have to remember, and people are pointing this out, like Brian Flores' first year in Miami, they were not a very good defense. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of this. It was they were blitzing a ton, and they're getting burned a lot. And they didn't really have the guys or maybe the comfort or communication Year two, they took a huge leap, and the next two years, they were really good defenses. But that first year, it's asking a lot of guys, many of whom have never played in a system like this before, to come in right away and do it and do it effectively and kind of mitigate some of that risk. So I think there's going to be splash plays for the defense, and I think there's going to be some splash plays for the offense. And week one is with Baker Mayfield is definitely less risky than when you start facing Jalen Hurts and, and Herbert and Mahomes, but 
even Baker Mayfield with the receivers he has can make you pay if you don't handle everything right on the back end. Weren't the 2019 Dolphins the team that everybody thought was just outright tanking because they had gotten rid yes. of so much talent. Brian yeah. Flores really didn't have a whole lot to work with until they brought in, was it Phillips and Rousseau and some of these other guys that they brought Byron in? Byron Jones, corner. Yeah, to, to, to really shore that up. So And then Brian Flores ended up winning like seven straight games that 2019 season eventually on the back end once they got it together. Mm -hmm. But I think... Brian Flores, when he was in the, in the spot last time, when he was establishing a defense, it wasn't with a front office that would have uh, figured it out with Daniel Hunter. It wasn't in a front office that would have been bringing in Byron Murphy right away. Uh, yeah, they could have brought in Ronald Darby, a guy they hosted, let sign with Baltimore. So there are questions about how much is this front office really trying to go all in on this year in terms of putting the best talent on the field as opposed to having the long view of, now nah, it's still that competitive rebuild, right? I think they've got more talent, though, than Brian Flores had in 2019. I think the expectation should be higher right out of the gate with yeah. this matchup. It's just that question of, yeah, when you get Hurts, Herbert, Mahomes, when you start facing more balanced offenses, certainly. I don't know how you guys feel about Rashad White, but I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be able to run the ball at all. It, I'm wondering how the Vikings stop the run when they face a good running game because you've got an interior of Dean Lowry, Kyrie Tonga, um, Harrison Phillips. Jonathan Bullard. Jonathan Bullard, these are guys that scrap heap guys outside of Harrison Phillips. So I, I just I have big questions on both sides of the ball, certainly. And then with those young corners, you mentioned the transition to this man scheme. It's a lot different for a Caleb Evans than what he was asked to do last year, certainly. So do we all uh, agree that the Vikings will win this football game? Are we just they should? They we're, we're, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think uh, any of us would be bold enough to pick against that no. in making a prediction. It, the question to me is. Am I confident, and I've been thinking about this all week, am I confident that they're going to like actually do something that we've seen literally once under Kevin O'Connell and win a game by multiple scores? Or is it going to somehow be the same story and all the headlines are, oh, more of the same. Vikings win on last second 45-yard Greg Joseph field goal. Like, I, I just, you don't want to put yourself in that situation because as we saw in the playoffs, you know, the one-score games, you're not going to win all of them. That is not a sustainable method. They could find a way to lose this game, and then you're staring down the next three being tough. And it, it just it, the things things can get out of hand pretty quickly with with the schedule. It can get late pretty early, so you have to find a way to win this game. And to feel good about it, like we've said, you have to find a way to win this by ten or more. I would say, and I do actually think that they're going to do that, just because I really don't think Baker Mayfield is very good. But it's the opener, and so you know nothing would nothing would surprise me too much. Yeah, we've seen uh, Mike Zimmer for years here scheme up uh, a smart defensive mind and really put a, a lower quarterback in his place. And I think Brian Flores is a modern defensive mind in the NFL, akin to a Mike Zimmer who could bend with the times on that front. And that's why I think they are going to limit Tampa to twenty points or less in this game. I think the offense is going to go buck wild because Jamel Dean's the only buddy and Antoine Winfield, those are like the couple guys they've got in that secondary, but the Vikings offense is loaded. I think TJ Hawkinson could have a huge day. I think this offense is going to easily surpass that 20 point mark. And that's why they should win by multiple scores. Buck wild. Was that intentional or no, it actually wasn't. Was no. okay. All right. <laughs> uh, so, so then let's, let's close on this fellas. Uh, I think that my favorite opener now, it I, I, let's say U.S. Bank Stadium opener for me because it was technically week two. But when I first moved here in 2016, Sam Bradford, his first game against the Packers, U.S. Bank Stadium opener had more energy in a stadium than I've ever felt, except for the playoff game in the Superdome. And that's probably and Taylor Swift. We were there. Oh, yeah. Insane. Absolutely insane. Anyway, 
Uh, I actually looked this up. Decibel levels of a rock concert in a stadium are higher than a football game. So maybe we weren't insane bringing that up. Aside from that, that game was nuts. Trey Waynes finishes it off with a pick. It was like a really exciting game. And that was my favorite one to cover just because it was the first one and it had so much juice. And I thought as I was walking out, like that's one that everyone here will remember they were at because of the opener of U.S. Bank Stadium. And again, I am aware that that was week two, but op opener thoughts like uh, I think that this is going to have a lot of pomp and circumstance, but grant tributes. I, I, I think that there's a, a new breath of air that has been breathed into the fan base when there's a lot of new stuff to look at. Mm -hmm. And I also think that Kirk cousins and the support from the fans of Kirk cousins specifically after he won a lot of games last year, after the Netflix documentary is I think less apt to have the fans be like the first three and out. Oh, here we go again. Like <laughs> I, I just think that there's going to be a, an energy to this building. That's a little bit different than maybe some years past your thoughts. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's often like this at us bank stadium, just with the, the atmosphere and the home field advantage they have. But this feels to me like one where it is going to be so raucous that if the Vikings start fast and do what they often do and get out early and then just the volume turns up on Baker Mayfield. And, and we haven't even talked about it as much as we should, but just having Daniel Hunter is so huge. I think he's in line for a great season. I think Marcus Davenport, if he's healthy, you can sneakily play well. Byron Murphy, like there are a few guys on this defense. Harrison Smith, uh, we have not brought up. He, he can still do it at a high level. Like, I just think this is one that could get away from Tampa if the Vikings can start fast. Now, if they don't and it's like a tie game and kind of a, a slugfest, low scoring and maybe a, a close game at halftime, there might start to be some nervous energy in the air a little bit. But uh, I would not be surprised at all if the Vikings come out fast and are able to kind of pull away from this team. That's a good point. If we hear let's go crazy early, if we see a gritty early, I think this is going to be a fan base that's ready to jump on that, ready to feel good about where this team is at. They read all offseason about who left and then trying to figure out what's new coming in. Um, this this is a team that, if, like you said, in a matchup, that if they were able to get that jump on them, I'm not too sure how Tampa's going to be able to come back from it. Did, did you guys have uh, other opening day I, uh, nostalgia at all? Well, the, the opening day, um, I, I just go back to last year. I, I was not expecting that at all. Kevin O'Connell's first year, the offense – how crazy it was in the building after they got off to such a hot start. And, you know, when Christian Watson drops that pass, that was, that felt like the only chance green Bay had in that game. And then it immediately got away from them and not even Aaron Rodgers could bring that team back against what we learned was an incredibly inferior defense from Ed Donatel and the Vikings. So I think the Vikings have the coaching advantage. They have all that. And, and last year, what they were able to do, I expect a similar environment. Yeah. I, I'm just, Still not taking it for granted that we're going to be in the stadium and it's going to be packed and full. Because I just remember in 2020, it would be Oof. how weird it was yeah. when they opening it to Packers and there was yeah. nobody there. The worst. And the, yeah. that historically bad defense got like 45 put up against it. So it's going to be just fun to see kind of the fan base come together and, and be really positive about a team that won 13 games last year, got to the playoffs. And now in some ways, I mean, they moved on from a lot of veterans, but in some ways they're set up to potentially be better this year, even if they win fewer than 13 games, which is inevitable because they're not going to go 11 or 11 and 0 in one score game. So the Brian Flores excitement, Jordan Addison's debut, all these different things. Uh, it's just, it's just going to be fun to be in a, a packed house. So the, a lot of good vibes on this show, 
But if they lose, <laughs> uh, Dane Mizutani, by the way, will be co-hosting post-game from inside U.S. Bank Stadium after the game is over live on YouTube. So make sure that all of you check that out. Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune, Will Raggetts of Sports Illustrated. We're going to do this. I say every week, but we're in Philadelphia next Thursday. So mostly every week when there are not Thursday football games, the Raggetts Roundtable. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this obscenely hardcore breakdown, and we will catch you all next time. Maybe we'll get some lighting inside this room next time. I feel like I'm in the 